Welcome back, everyone. I am Robertson Byer, and sitting virtually across from me, as always, is Ben Parker, and we are the odds-on favorite. If you love football, you are in the right place. We're going to be talking about uh, NFL Week 3 this week and a recap of NFL Week 2. Every week we go over uh, some key weekly matchups and telling you where we would place our money. Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Week 2 was insane. I mean, I I hope every week is this good. Week 2 was fantastic. And a surprise today, Ben. We have a a guest with us today uh, from Phantom Sports. Um, we have Brandon Tim. He is a uh, host of his own podcast, uh, Fantasy Football, uh, F- Phantom Fantasy Football. Uh, catch him, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts just like us. Uh, check him out if you are into fantasy or into just football in general like like you are with us. Uh, Brandon, how are you doing tonight? Glad to have you on. Hey, great to be here. I'm doing great. Just excited to talk ball with you guys. We got some spicy matchups coming up this week and obviously just some chaos that we're going to break down from the week prior. Yeah, as a Commander fan, I definitely agree with that. It's been a roller coaster already. We're only in two weeks in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just to get into a quick recap of last week, um, we're just going to go over the one college matchup we did last uh, last week real quick. Uh, Oklahoma at Nebraska. Uh, ben, why don't you just uh, recap that for us real quick? Yeah, uh, I'll say it quick. Oklahoma slaughtered Nebraska in case anybody <laughs> didn't notice that. <laughs> I thought Nebraska had a chance to make this game close in spite of the coaching change because I watched Casey Thompson throw the football the first couple of weeks, and he was making good throws against tight coverage. And then he just didn't show up for this game. But Oklahoma's got an awfully good defense going on right now. And then with uh, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, Oklahoma continues to look good. They're going to have a good season. Um, I still think Nebraska can win some games this year with Casey Thompson. But inconsistency, like last year, continues to hamper his development. Brandon, you got anything to add there? Who would have thought Lincoln Riley leaving the program would – teach the defense how to tackle uh For real? honestly i I'm, I'm shocked with how well their defense is playing right now i do a lot of college football gambling and that nebraska money line was awfully tempting but i live in big 10 country and nebraska has been the laughing stock for a while for us big 10 west uh, foes so um it was a it was a pretty no-brainer oklahoma had that in the bag yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because when you think Oklahoma, just me as a casual uh, college football, very casual college football fan, you don't associate Oklahoma with defense. <laughs> so it's it's kind of shocking to hear kind of, the kind of performance that they put up. Um, so now transitioning to the NFL Week 2 matchups that we covered last week. Um, first, the uh, Buccaneers at the Saints. Um, obviously, there was a big brawl that broke out there. Um, but the Buccaneers uh, were able to handle business. Their defense was just absolutely suffocating. Jameis played like Jameis, in my opinion. Um, ben, what, what what happened in that game? Defensive slugfest for a long time, and then finally I think Tampa Bay just broke through. I will say this moving forward for the Buccaneers. Um, the defense is looking pretty solid. Offensive line still a work in progress. It will be probably for at least the first half of the season, but I think they'll get there. And I think they'll get there in time to be competitive for maybe a Super Bowl spot on the NFC side. Um, Mike Evans is going to be out for probably a week <laughs> due to his, <laughs> his ex, ex uh, I'm losing my extracurricular activities, but uh, you know, that may or may not cost them the game next week. We'll see, but they'll be fine moving forward. Um, 
the offense doesn't look great, but I do think they'll they'll improve as the season goes along. It's Tom Brady. I think they're going to be okay. Um, I predicted a bit. I think me and you both predicted a little bit of a slowdown this year, but you know he's going to get back on track. Um, we both picked the over though. Um, Brandon, are you surprised that it was the under actually? I didn't really know what to expect from that game going into it just due to Jameis's injury. He definitely played like he had a broken back, um, which he did. Uh, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in the coming weeks for him and what Dennis Allen is going to have to do with him moving forward just because of that injury because they're not going to be able to use the playbook the same way that one would expect them to be able to. Yeah, I I've never been a huge fan of Jameis. I just think there's just too much, um, you know, turnover prone. Uh, He's just careless with the ball too many times. I understand he has literally a broken back, but uh, you know, it's, I've never been a huge fan of him. I I wouldn't put my money on him. I never have, never will. Um, He's just too unpredictable. Very Um, volatile. Very, very. But you know, as a, as a fantasy owner like yourself, sometimes he, he really gets you out of it. Um, I've never, I've never had him on my team though. No, and I think if you were to have him on your team, that last year that he was with the Buccaneers would have been the year to have him. I wouldn't be putting my money on him at this point. No, absolutely not. Um, moving on to the uh, Patriots and Steelers. Patriots surprised me a little bit. Uh, they went in handled business in Pittsburgh, seventeen uh, fourteen. Uh, it was definitely a defensive game. Uh, neither quarterback looked uh, spectacular. Uh, especially Trubisky. He looks to be struggling uh, pretty mightily there. Uh, ben, were you surprised by anything that happened in that game? No, not necessarily. I, and I think one reason the line is so close is because we've seen, with Brady or without him, Belichick, if he has a bad week, he doesn't usually have two bad weeks in a row. And he had a bad week in week one getting embarrassed by, by the Miami Dolphins. But it seems like every single time, no matter who they're playing, Belichick comes back the next week with an altered game plan that suits whoever their, their opponent is for the next week. And this happened to be the Steelers, and the Steelers aren't going to throw the football very well this season. You know, Trubisky may have a couple of breakout games, but in general, uh, you know, he's not going to just tear teams up. And, and Belichick had a game plan here. They were able to run the football a little bit, not a lot. They were able to throw the football a little bit, not a lot. And, you know, typical Belichick victory here, honestly, with or without Brady. Um, he, he rarely has two bad weeks in a row, and I think Vegas understands that. Yeah, I got to give you credit where credit is due there, Ben. I didn't I didn't think that uh, Belichick was going to be able to pull this one out. I just thought the Steelers had too much momentum coming off that dramatic win against week in, in week one against the Bengals. But uh, he for sure had that bounce back week that you for sure predicted. Uh, Brandon, um, Damian Harris had a pretty good game. Uh, what does that mean for fantasy owners? Can they finally trust a Belichick running back week in, week out? So preseason, we had heard a lot of hype about Ramondre Stevenson taking over for Damian Harris, and I'm not sure what gave Damian Harris the edge. Having Damian Harris is feast or famine on your fantasy team. It It is truly week-to-week, situation-to-situation with him. I can't guarantee he'll perform for you every week, but if you have him, you can't really go wrong at an RB2 spot if he fits the bill. Thanks for the little tip there. I'm going to definitely use that. Not that I have – I never draft any Patriots running backs. It's just too, like, you know – so tough. 
It is. I never choose any <laughs> Patriot running backs. <laughs> okay, uh, getting to the unfortunate game. Uh, commanders at Lions. Uh, tale of two halves, really, but too little too late for my commanders. They come storming back, but, you know, like I said, too little too late. 36 to 27. Uh, me and you, Ben, we definitely hit the over on that one. It didn't look like it was going to be uh, that we were going to score any points there for a while, but uh, we definitely hit the over. Um, but I was, I ended up being right, unfortunately, that the Lions took it. But, you know, I, I think I started to convince you out of it. <laughs> yeah. I, and by the way, the Lions are a fun team to watch and a fun team oh, to root yeah. for, to be honest. I mean, it, it, unless you just happen to have a, a beef against that team, they, 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 they looked so horrible last year. And this year, they've actually got a chance to win some games. You know, who knows if they'll get playoffs or not. But watching Jared Goff have a decent game, it's four touchdowns and no interceptions, you know. so um, And then watching Hutchinson. You know, it's interesting about Hutchinson. He didn't actually beat his man on any of the three sacks. Um, and yet, he just plays so violently, and he's always so alert. He picked up three sacks. Um, on two of the plays, the quarterback got flushed out of the pocket, and Hutchinson's there waiting and just drops basically almost immediately. And then the other one was on a twist or a stunt that he pulled off that the, that the Washington offensive line failed to pick up. But, you know, credit to him for playing that violently and, and that alertly that he is able to pick up those three sacks. And the Detroit Lions offense, I, who would have thought uh, that this offense would look this good, but they're scoring points. They're moving the ball up and down the field. We'll see if Goff can keep it up. Uh, I don't know that he'll be this good every week, but uh, so far so good. I've never seen a more – uninspired for touchdown performance because it really wasn't all that spectacular. Our defense was just that trash. Um, a dude fell on his butt on a, like a third and I think it was like third and 17. He fell on his butt and he somehow converted and scored a touchdown on that play. I, just unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, Brandon, uh, how good can this Lions offense be? It's going to depend on the skill position players week in and week out. Goff is serviceable, and I don't know what Campbell has unleashed in him in Detroit. I think that Goff will always kind of have that little chip on his shoulder after getting shipped out of L.A. the way that he did. Um, however, that being said, I mean, they put incredible position players around him to consistently perform. Um it's truly up to him and what he's able to accomplish. And if he can be that model of consistency that you look for in a quarterback uh, at that tier where Goff is. Jamison Williams isn't even back yet. And they're still putting up these points. So to me, that's, that's a good sign for Detroit fans. Um, you know, can you trust Goff? That's again, that's the question that even Rams fans are still trying to figure out. For sure. Um, and I would say, too, Amon Ross St. Brown, starting to use him more like a Debo Samuel type, oh yeah. that that could be that could be an interesting wrinkle for this Detroit offense. As well as Curtis Samuel for the commanders, because, you know, I, I knew that he, he was cut from that mold during his time in, time in Carolina, but I didn't expect this much usage out of a guy that has been labeled the past couple years as injury prone. And they're, he's probably the highest used player on our on our offense. Yeah. So that that's that definitely surprised me. No, oh, him and Wentz got a good connection, that's for sure. And I hope it just continues to improve. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the second of two 
Monday Night Football matchups, the uh, Vikings at the Eagles. Uh, me and you, Ben, again, picked the over on this one uh, based on week one performances by both the Vikings offense and the Eagles offense and their lack of defense in week one against the Lions. Um, but it was really uh, just a defensive performance, an outstanding defensive performance for the Eagles. Um, maybe you could also look at it as a Vikings failure of an offense. I'm going to look at it as a, a really good defensive performance for the Eagles. Um, you know, it, are the me and Brandon talked about this the other day, that you need at least four weeks to determine what a team's going to look like. And I would even argue you need the next four weeks after that for them to build their full identity. But through two weeks, the Eagles look, unfortunately for me as a Commander fan, pretty impressive. Um, is this a sustainable thing that they can keep up? Yeah, I I think so. Now, does that mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl? Not necessarily, but yeah, I, I think they can have a better season than I originally gave them credit for. I, I, I thought nine or ten wins at the start. Uh, they look good enough to where in the NFC, maybe they could surpass that. Maybe they might get pushing up to 11, 12 wins. I don't know. They, they look like they've got things figured out. Jalen Hurts looks very comfortable. He's making throws down the field. He's he's not just picking on the edges here and on the fringes. He's not just running around making cute little plays. He's making some serious downfield throws, too, and some pretty good reads. So um, he looks like he's developed. Now we'll see if NFL defense is starting to pick up on that. But, yeah, he he looks uh, he looks good. And, and you're right, the Eagles defense last night, um, they took away Justin Jefferson. And that's not what uh, – that's not – and I don't remember who the opponent first week for the Vikings was, but that's Packers. not what they did the first week. Yeah, thank you. Um, they, let, they let Jefferson run all over the field. Um, and the Eagles said, if someone's going to beat us, it's not going to be Justin Jefferson. We're going to make sure he's covered. And so then basically after that, Kirk Cousins does a typical Kirk Cousins three interception night. And, um, <laughs> but I think that started with the Eagles defense. I really do. Two things, uh, Brandon. Uh, one – are the Eagles one of these early season pretenders? And then two, um, how many trades do you think there are out in the fantasy world for Jalen Hurts right now going up against Washington next week? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Eagles right now, uh, the past two performances against the NFC North teams has been very impressive. Um, I trades for Jalen Hurts if you're the owner of Jalen Hurts you're not trading him for anything uh, that's 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 a fact I mean unless somebody has a package of Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor I don't think you're going there um that being said I the Eagles just they just keep on impressing me the way that Jalen Hurts is getting the whole team involved and even after they traded for AJ Brown uh it hasn't been centric on one individual on that offense um and obviously Jalen is going to do his thing they're doing that read option at the goal line which definitely takes touchdowns away from Gainwell Sanders Boston Scott etc but um yeah it's been impressive and can I just say something to the Vikings fans out there as a Packer fan for uh the, the performance that they put up there uh last night go ahead all Go right, <laughs> Vikings fans, you know that the Packers don't care about you. you. Know that the Packers know your little brother. You wish you were the rival. You're not the Bears. It's cute that you guys can beat us on the road when we come to visit you at U.S. Bank once a year. However, 
We'll see you later this season. It's not going to be good for you. That's all I got to say. They had a hangover. They they won their Super Bowl week one, and they can't when, – when the lights go on, Kirk Cousins in primetime never happens. As, as a person that likes to ruffle feathers sometimes amongst uh, fandoms that are not my own, uh, and this may or may not make it to the final cut, but uh, two words for you, Brandon, uh, Brett Favre. <laughs> fair fair touche touche hey i'm a packer fan that lives in minnesota i have to say what i, I had Ooh, to say what uh, i have to okay. say okay <laughs> we got it <laughs> hello this is simon short of the phantom football podcast part of the phantom podcast family every tuesday join me benjamin parker and ronan summers as we react to and analyze every game piece of news and trend across the nfl Listen, subscribe, rate, and review the Phantom Football Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Follow the Phantom Football Podcast on Twitter at Phantom Football and email the show at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries. I'm your host, Brandon, and each episode, we'll look to bring you clear, concise fantasy football data along with the tools and tricks that will help you dominate in your respective fantasy leagues. The goal of the show will be to bring you the analysis without all the fluff other fantasy football podcasts have. Some of those shows, although they may be insightful, last over an hour, and I want to get you back to doing whatever else it is that you love to do. Come join me on our fantasy football journeys this season, and hopefully at the end of it all, we'll be celebrating and raving about our championships together. See you all at our first episode. From Brandon, with Phantom Sports Industries, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Show. For all of your Northwest sports needs, check out northwestsportsdesk.com, an up-and-coming sports blog based out of the Northwest and a partner of Phantom Sports Industries. All right, gentlemen. Uh, week two was uh, quite interesting, uh, a, bit of, a bit surprising, uh, if you will. Uh, what is one thing that you would take away as probably the biggest surprise from week two. Brandon, I'll start with you. Biggest surprise from week two was, uh, I would probably say there's two things, Jacksonville shutting out the Colts and the Jets somehow pulling off that win in Cleveland. Now, the Jacksonville component is fascinating to me because I just realized this weekend for the first time that Frank Reich has been in that division now for his co- head coaching tenure and he has never come away with a win in Jacksonville. Now I know that's a difficult place to get a W in Duval, but it, you would think with the rosters that Jacksonville has rolled out there the past, however long Frank Reich has been coached with the Indianapolis Colts. He should have been able to at least walk away with something from there because it's not like Jacksonville has been putting out top tier NFL rosters the past five seasons and in conjunction with that the Jets are fascinating to me because what they did in that in the last two minutes of that game at Cleveland uh, what what better like Cleveland Brown fashion than to go down 
at the end of a game up two touchdowns. Nick Chubb ran that one in the end zone and everybody's replaying that highlight when he had stepped out of bounds. I think it was last season against the Texans saying like, oh, wow, like if he would have done that again, they would have won. True. But what the Jets did, they shouldn't have been able to do in the two minutes. So Nick Chubb running that third touchdown in was perfectly, uh, it made sense. You know, the numbers were not in the Jets' favor. So credit to Sala, credit to Mike LaFleur, the whole staff there in in the Meadowlands. I, I it was just impressive that they were able to pull that one off with the rookies that they have and Joe Flacco. Ben, I want a little bit of rebuttal. That is, uh, is the return of Joe cool here. And then what was your biggest surprise? <laughs> I, I've always loved Joe Flacco. I, I realize he hasn't always delivered. Um, you know, he had that one amazing season, but he's, he's always had a lot of big time games. I mean, I, I love watching him. I, I bet, I bet half of NFL fans couldn't have even told us he was still on the roster, to be honest. <laughs> but there he is, <laughs> delivering big. So, yeah, I, I love to see it. I love to see any, any of the old guys get another shot at doing something like that. So, uh, I love Joe Flacco. Um, different quarterback. Um, one of the most surprising things was Tua Tagovailoa for the Dolphins. Um, mm-hmm. 469 yards, six touchdowns. That's surprising enough, the statistics. But watching him... He, for the first time I've ever seen him, even in Alabama, he looked like a gunslinger the way he was throwing so aggressively. Um, now, again, I, I get it. There were two blown coverages late in the game by Baltimore that gave up two rather easy touchdowns that almost any quarterback in the NFL could have thrown. You know, I, I get it. But all throughout most of the game, especially the second half, Taco Vailoa looked comfortable and aggressive. And I'm not used to seeing that from him, even during some of the Alabama games. Um, he, he checked down a lot in his whole career, and for the first time ever, he looked aggressive. Now, that, that might be the best game he ever plays in his life right there, and he might struggle with consistency, but that was surprising for me to see that, and I'd love to see more of it, to be honest. So, uh, you know, when we did our quarterback videos, uh, Ben, you can go check that out on uh, Phantom Sports' YouTube channel. They're still up there. Go give that a that listen. It's still probably relevant. Uh, <laughs> I I honestly forgot Joe Flacco was on a roster too until we did those videos. Right, it's easy to do. <laughs> and then Brandon, this is kind of directed towards you. So, um, I have this uh, fantasy football league with my family, and just by sheer coincidence, one of my sisters had uh, Tua, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle on their roster, and I told them, and I told them. <laughs> I told him, hey, you should probably sub one of these dudes out. Like, at least bench Tua because, like, he's just not a good quarter. I forget who the backup was. And, like, she, she's not a Dolphins fan. She's not, like, a big fan of, of football just in general. But, you know, and, or so she doesn't have a big knowledge of fantasy. And I told her, I was like, you should probably change this a little bit up. You know, like, you're, you might not get a lot of points out of these guys. And she had over 200 points in our PPR league. Like, did, did she have Gasecki too? No, she did not. She did not. But she had Jayla Waddle, Tyree Kill, and Tua. What was got... the other guy's name? River River Craft. Who's, yeah. heard, of, who's yeah. heard of that guy? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. And like, and the thing is, she was going up against my other sister, and she actually had a good game. She put up like one fifty. But you know, my sister who had Tua 
Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, she had like well over 200 points. And the thing is, her other like players on her uh, on our lineup didn't even do that great, but they didn't need to. Yeah, you probably could have started that whole uh, offensive roster for the Miami Dolphins in a fantasy matchup and <laughs> came out with a uh, you would have you would have you would have dominated. Oh, and she had the Bucks defense. I forgot to mention that too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, they were the top defense this weekend. Yeah, 29 points. I said, yeah, good luck. You're not going to get that probably again this season from that. Like, maybe something close, but you're not going to get that again. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to uh, our week three matchups that we're going to cover tonight. We're going to go to uh, Ravens at Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are actually three-point underdogs, um, and Vegas is predicting this to be somewhat of a defensive matchup. The over-under is 43 and a half. Um, I'm just going to say initially, uh, I actually like the under on this. Um, ben, what are you thinking on this matchup? Now, I'm with you, and I still don't know who to pick here. I will come up with a pick by the time I'm done talking. Um, I think it's a tight game. I really do. And I, I kind of like the under like you. My question is this. Bill Belichick knows what happened last week with that Ravens defense. He saw all the miscommunications and the breakdowns in the back half of that defense. Um now, he'll come up with a game plan, and it might be to hand the ball off 40 times. I don't know. But he'll, he'll be thinking, and he'll have something ready for the Ravens, and, and he's got a pretty good history against the Ravens. But can, can the Ravens fix those problems on the back end and that secondary? Because it was mostly communication, and you got some couple of new people back there. So it's not a talent issue. The Ravens have talent all over the place on that defense, so it's a communication deal. Can they get that fixed? And if sold, then I think the Ravens win because I think the Ravens are the better team. I'm not sure they can. So – I, I think I'm going to pick the Patriots in this game, but it's to me it's razor thin. So give me the Patriots with the three points. Um, you know, I I, I kind of agree with you there. The the Ravens, their their defense has talent, like you said, all over the place, but they just have, haven't been able to put it together past two seasons. Um, and I actually thought that the Ravens' defense was going to be – and, you know, there's still a lot of football left. I thought they were going to be a top-five defense this year just given the schedule that they have in front of them. They don't play – many outstanding quarterbacks. I mean, there's going to be a couple weeks where they struggle, but, you know, you look down and it's like, yeah, it's kind of easy street as far quarterback-wise. My thing is, and this could be um, null and void based on what Tua did last week to the Ravens' defense, but Mac Jones is not a gunslinger by any means. I don't see him putting up 300-plus and three touchdowns. I could be wrong. We could be doing this next week, and I'm eating my words again. But... um you know, I just don't see Mac Jones as a as a gunslinger. I don't see him being able to do what Tua did. Um, Brandon, what do you think about that? And where are you leading this game? I think I'm gonna lean with the Ravens. Uh, I know that regression is the mean, and Lamar obviously can't keep playing the way that he is every given Sunday. Um, he can't be quarterback and running back. That has been the calling card for his identity his entire career so far and last week he was the lead rusher for the Ravens they can't do that against the Pats they have to figure out a solution to get somebody else involved sounding like J.K. Dobbins might be back but in a limited capacity um, I'm not sure what to expect with this game I want to go with Ravens but it's in Foxborough so Anything can happen there. I think the over is more likely just because of the Ravens' ability to score. And like you said, 
uh, been their issues on the back end of the defense. I know that uh, Marcus Williams has had three interceptions the past two games, but I think Bill Belichick is creative enough to keep Mac away from him along with the receivers. So I'm looking at the over, but it could, this game is one of those coin flips. We could see the Pats come out and play really well, or we could see them lay an egg like they did against the Steelers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we could see that too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to go Ravens 2017 there, and I'm taking the under, obviously. Moving on to our next game here, uh, we got Lions at Vikings. Uh, you know, maybe at the beginning of the season, this wasn't necessarily a matchup to circle, but both teams are at 500. They've both won one, lost one. Uh, Lions offense looks great in the first two games. Uh, Vikings offense looked great in the first one, bad in the second one. Over-under is set at 53, and Vikings are seven-point favorites. Ben, I'm not personally liking this line too much. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this game because it was the one line that just exploded off the page at me. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm being a sucker here like the public and liking the Lions too much here, and that's possible. But the Lions have looked good the first couple of weeks. They really have. And and I don't know that the Vikings have enough to stop stop them from looking good. Now, I'm picking the Vikings to win but I'm picking the Lions to cover here is basically my play. Because um, six points is it's not enormous for an NFL game, but that's a pretty stout number for a team that's looked pretty good. So give me the um, give me the Lions to cover, the Vikings to win. I do think a tight game. Um, another game where anything could happen. If Kirk, Cousins put, if Kirk Cousins puts up another two or three interceptions, then definitely give me the Lions to just win straight up. But uh, let's assume Cousins has another decent game and uh, the Vikings pull this out by a field goal. I'm going to save my uh, take for last. Brandon, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Ben, I'm in the same boat you are. I like the Lions to cover in Minnesota to get that dub. Um, This is a 12 o'clock Eastern game, and as we know, Kirk Cousins thrives in the atmosphere. He'll be in a dome. Conditions will be reasonable for him to succeed. Question is going to come down to what is Detroit going to do about Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook? And then on the Vikings side of the coin, what are you going to do to contain Amon Ra St. Brown, preventing the yards after the carry? Even applies for DeAndre Swift. How are you going to prevent that yak? That's the stat that Detroit's going to need um, to, you know, be up pretty high to get the W in that one. I am not a Kirk Cousins hater. I am not a Kirk Cousins lover either. He's always been kind of mad to me. And I see this game going for both teams into the 30s. Um, So I'm definitely taking the over. I like the Lions. Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins typically doesn't have two Kirk Cousins games back-to-back. You know, he doesn't usually struggle uh, in in back-to-back games. So I think he's going to put up points, but I just like the Lions better here. Um, they have Amon Ross St. Brown. He he set an NFL record last week, I believe, for most consecutive games with eight catches or more, which is crazy to me given like the state of the Lions than they were what they were last season. Yeah, they finished strong, but I didn't think Amon Ross St. Brown was doing that great. I guess I just wasn't paying attention. Um, 
So I'm going to take the Lions in this one. I'm going to say like 38-34. Okay, moving on to the Packers and the Buccaneers. Um, They're going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is two-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under in that game is 41. That's a bit interesting. I would expect a little uh, something higher given that uh, you have two Hall of Fame uh, quarterbacks playing in this game, but you know they each have uh, struggling offenses. Uh, neither offense has been able to get going in the first two weeks. Packers did a little bit. Uh, they bounced back a little bit uh, Monday night this past week against the Bears, but or Sunday, Sunday night, excuse me. But you know, there's still some questions there on the reliability of some of these receivers. Um, ben, what are you looking at in this game? I'll, I'll take the Buccaneers to win. There's no way that I'm going to go against Brady here in a game like this. But we talked about it earlier in the episode. That offensive line for the Buccaneers is going to be a work in progress. I mean, they have good people there, but especially the middle, the, the center and the guard spots. Work in progress there for, for several weeks till they get it together. And they won't have Mike Evans. So I'm sure that's keeping the, the score down here, too, in terms of, of Vegas' eyes. And then, of course, we know about the Packers losing Devontae Adams during the offseason. So they're still trying to get it together with their with their uh, wide receivers and u- utilizing the running back. It's even more on the Packers' side. So, but give me the, the uh, Buccaneers to win this game. I, I like Tom Brady in this game uh, more than like Aaron Rodgers, honestly. So, um, close game, though. Brandon, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Do you like the under here or do you like the over? I like the over. I think 41 points is a little bit too low. We're talking about NFL teams here. Um, yeah. They, that That's the thing. Sometimes if Vegas – but. Who knows, Vegas likes to entice the public to, you know, think thoughts like that. So um, with that being said, Packers, traditionally the past couple of years, Florida has been their nemesis. Um, but I think that the pa- I think that Aaron Rodgers, he gets up for these types of games against uh, historical competition, that being Tom Brady, obviously um, they've you know, they've generated a friendly rivalry slash friendship the past couple of years since Brady has joined the NFC. So Rodgers will want to show up and show out. I'm very curious to see what the Buccaneers are going to do at the receiver position. I think keys for victory for them. You got to get Scotty Miller involved somehow. I don't, and they just, they just picked up Cole Beasley off the street today. So um, they're, desperate straights right now um Leonard Fournette is going to be the key for victory as well gonna have to give him the ball a lot and Packers have been struggling to stop the run on the defensive side of the ball so um honestly I could see this game going anyway I'm gonna pick the Packers because that's my bias but Tom Brady he finds a way to get stuff done in the strangest of circumstances as we saw last week um yeah just don't let Brashad Perryman beat you on the back end, right? Yeah, it it is hard to bet against Tom Brady, uh, but but he he doesn't have his top two weapons. I, I don't think Chris mm-hmm. Godwin's going to be playing in this game. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's going to be playing in this game. No. Uh, Mike Evans is suspended. He did he did appeal it, but as of right now, Tuesday at ten forty nine Eastern Standard Time, um, he is not going to be playing in this game. So. He doesn't have Gronk. He doesn't have his top two weapons. They could run the crap out of the ball. The Bears were able to do a little bit against the Packers, but not to much effect. Um, I, it's hard to pick this game because I, I want to 
stick with Brady, but he doesn't have weapons. His offensive line is injured. I'll take I'll take the Bucks. I don't feel good about it though. Um, but I am going to take the over. I I just don't see that Brady's going to score less than twenty four in this game, and I think the Packers make it competitive and score at least twenty. Uh, Rogers at least has a little bit more uh, rapport with his receivers now. I'm going to take the Bucks over the Packers twenty four twenty, taking the over. Um, moving on to Rams at Cardinals. The uh, the Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites going into Arizona. Uh, Arizona pulled out a, a big one last week uh, against the Raiders pretty in pretty crazy fashion, overtime, uh, defensive score. Uh, Over-under in this game is 48-and-a-half right now. Um, ben, what are you th- uh, thinking about this game? Can Kyler Murray uh, get this offense back on track based on the momentum they were able to build against the, the Raiders in that second half? Um, you know, the Rams defense is pretty impressive, but, you know, they've been a little bit shaky, especially in that week one start. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I don't like this game at all. Just to be honest, I, I, I'm interested to see what you guys say here. Over the long haul of the of a full season, I think the Rams are the better team. I think McVay's influence on this team will lead them to get better as the season goes along, barring any significant injuries. Um, but for this game, I, I think the Cardinals have a chance at some point. They may they may get shut out the first half, but this Jekyll and Hyde team, I think, is going to get loose and score some points at some point in this game. It might be the first half. It might be the second half. I think they're going to get loose on the Rams' defense here at some point. The Falcons did last week, and they don't have anywhere near the firepower that the Cardinals do in terms of quarterback play, at least. And and then we saw the uh, Buffalo Bills go off on the Rams um, for three quarters, three of the four quarters um, in, in week one. So, um, I think the Cardinals can score some points here. I think I'll pick them to win since they're playing at home. Um, that's not my outlook on the season, but that is my outlook for this game here. It's going to be a tough division uh, matchup in the NFC West here. There are, they always are pretty tough, even when these teams weren't really that great, even when the NFC West was kind of more or less the laughingstock outside of the Seahawks for a few years there. Um Brandon, can you give me a little uh, insight here, fantasy wise? Is Allen Robinson to be trusted on your fantasy team? And also, uh, what are you looking uh, at at this game? Like, what are you looking at? Uh, are you looking at the over here? Uh, are you looking for the Cardinals to keep that momentum going? Yeah, so I would trust Allen Robinson. If you recall, in the game on Sunday, there was an opportunity for him where he basically did score a second touchdown, but the refs for some reason called it off for an injury timeout. It was was a really bizarre sequence. Uh, Normally, like you would think they would just let that touchdown go through and then worry about the injury, but no, they just called the playoff altogether. Um, I think as Sean McVay said, post week one, they need to get Allen Robinson more involved. Cooper cup is incredible and he's going to do his Cooper cup thing, but, you have to be able to mix it up. I, I have a feeling Cooper Cup is going to be able to continue his his ways uh, against the Cardinals because their secondary is nothing to write home about. Um, but they're going to have to mix it up. They have to keep mixing it up for future matchups and giving teams other looks. You're going to be able to catch the Cardinals off guard. I think the Rams have the upper hand. But like Ben said, they are a very Jekyll and Hyde team. And Kyler has been finding ways to get different guys involved while DeAndre Hopkins is out. James Conner, questionable. I think he's going to play. But 
he got hurt last Sunday and then he just stood there on the sidelines with his equipment on the rest of the game. So let's see what happens. Um, I like Greg Dorch to get a touchdown. At least he's been the hot new name for their receiving core. Um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a wait and see, but I'm going to take the Rams and the over on this one. I think there's going to be a lot of points, but I could see the Cardinals coming out with it as well because Kyler plays so well this early in the season. I'm going to take the over here as well. Um, and like Ben, I don't like this game at all. It's the Cardinals, like as you guys says, are very, they've been very Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know that I really trust Kyler Murray, even though he's been in the league for a while. I just, I still don't have that kind of trust in him to bet on him. Um, not that I haven't Matthew Stafford either, but I like Matthew Stafford a lot more than I like Kyler Murray. So I'm going to take the Rams here, even though they're going away to Arizona. Um, it is going to be a very high scoring game. I believe I think both, both teams could potentially be in the thirties. Um, I don't know that the Cardinals get there though. I'm going to take the Rams, uh, 33, 28. Um, then the final game that we're going to talk about, uh, today, uh, the Niners are going to Denver. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Trey Lance is out for the season with a, uh, I think it was an ankle injury, uh, season ankle, season, ah. Season ending ankle injury. There we go. Um, 49ers are favorites going into Denver, uh, one and a half. Um, and then the over under is set at 45. Um, Russell Wilson hasn't really been doing that much for the Broncos. They gave up a lot to get him. Uh, he's making me look bad here. I put a lot of a lot into Russell Wilson in the offseason. I'm like, yo, this dude's gonna go back to MVP caliber. We have not seen it yet. It's only been two games, but uh, Ben, my my prediction, my prediction is not looking very good here. <laughs> yeah, and like you guys said, uh, September. It's not that September doesn't matter as long as, you, but as long as you don't get a too deep of a hole in September, one and three or something. Uh, September is not a huge deal for NFL teams, and even you know, again, if you're floating around five hundred and, and you're starting to get better as we get into October, you're fine. Denver hasn't looked good so far. They just haven't. This will be the first game where I pick against, uh, where I'm basically picking off a feeling here. Denver hasn't looked good. I'm going to pick them to win straight up anyway. I think that at a certain point, I think Russell Wilson will kick it into gear with his new team. I feel like at home against the 49ers, who, who have looked decent so far this year, I, I think this is the time they do it. So I don't have a whole lot of analytical support for that, to be quite honest, because <laughs> the 49ers have looked better. But I, I do think Denver – has a lot going for them here on offense and defense. I think they just haven't put it together yet. Um, you know, who knows why? Is it newness? Is it the the Seattle game and the emotions there? Who knows? But um, give me the Denver Broncos to win this game, um, you know, by probably six points, seven points, something like that. To me, this is a hard game to predict. Um, I feel like each team should have a, a level of um, desperation given the state of their divisions, uh, the state of the quarterback situation in San Francisco with obviously, like I said, uh, Trey Lance going out for the season. Now this is on Jimmy G. This is for him to prove it yet again that the 49ers can win with him. And also, like I said, with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, they gave up a lot to get him. They got to get something going here. He needs to at least look somewhat impressive. Um, Brandon, who, what team needs to win this game more? I would say Denver needs this win more than the Niners right now. Um, obviously, Jimmy G is going to want to go out there and prove to the 
faithful that he's the man and they should have never left him from the start. Um, however, Nathaniel Hackett and his staff, there's a lot of first time and newness to the positions that they're all working in right now for this Denver team. So there's a lot of cobwebs, I should say, and just a lot of people needing to get their feet under them. Um, including Russell Wilson out on the field. This is new for all of them right now. Um, I like Denver a lot better in October than September because we're still seeing what this team is made of. Um, I like the Cortland Sutton connection that Russell has been developing. It's going to continue to develop, especially because he's the only top tier receiver that Russell has right now. And then, I really enjoy watching Javante Williams play and I wish that they would give him more snaps. It hurts me to say this as a Badger fan, but Melvin Gordon, you need to take a back seat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I've been a Melvin Gordon fan for a long time. I really, I, but I just keep waiting like the rest of us. We just keep waiting and waiting to see that first round pick status come to fruition and never does. Do you guys have anything to add before we head out of here? Uh, no, I like everything that we talked about. Um, probably the one little thing I'll kick in here, uh, the Falcons and the Seahawks. Um, yeah. Somebody's got to win that game. <laughs> and and after they do, we're all going to be talking about how that particular team looks better than we all thought uh, <laughs> and into the, and into the, and into the season. The Falcons have actually not looked horrible, and I thought they would look horrible. But in two weeks, uh, you know, they put up a fight. So uh, hats off to them. Um, somebody's got to win that game and, uh, another close one. Hey, I'll, 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 uh, I'll strike yours, Ben. I, somebody has to win Houston and Chicago too. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. we'll see. Uh, so the, the question is, will coach Matt Eberflus allow Justin Fields to take 20 passing attempts, uh, this week because <laughs> yes. he has had less than 30 passing attempts the first two weeks and Joe Flacco has had over a hundred. <laughs> Ooh, quick over under. Uh, twenty two pass attempts for Justin Fields in that game. Under just taken. Under. Oh my God, Ben. Come on, man. Come on, Ben. Talk some sense. I don't have a pre- here. Yeah, I don't have a prediction, but it better be the over. There's no reason uh, Fields. Fields can throw the football. He just has no offensive line, nobody to throw it to. I don't know. I mean, figure out a way, get creative, give him a chance to throw the football. You know, I mean, what have you got to lose if you're Chicago? Brandon, is that because is that because Fields sucks, or is that the Bears are just that bad? No, I think the coaching staff is trying to figure out what they have in Justin Fields, and they're just they're they don't know what they have. Uh, it's truly the island of misfit receivers there with Pettis, <laughs> Pringle, and uh, Saint Brown, uh, the older Saint Brown, not Amon Ra, for the record. So um, it it's just tough. Like, and Cole Komet hasn't even got a reception yet. No. in two games and he was supposed to be showing signs of improvement this off season. So uh, they, they're going to have to let him just sling a couple to get the feeling back. He's got all the intangibles. You just got to let him work. Yeah. I don't think I have anything to add. My commanders were, we're, we're walking into a slaughter. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be bad on both phases. I, we're probably going to get 40 piece and Jack Del Rio may or may not get fired. Don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
depends if uh, Jalen Hurts puts up 350 yards passing and four touchdowns on us, then yeah, I could definitely see that happening, along with 150 rushing yards. Like I think the offense, like all offense, is just going to go through him. Convinced of that. All right, Brandon. Uh, where where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me at the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. Also, our Twitter account FSM underscore Fantasy. Be tweeting a lot of the news. Like I said on the podcast today, we're not breaking the news. We're just trying to put it in one simple location for everybody to find it. We're doing more retweeting than tweeting on that on that account, and that's okay because there's better experts out there. We just want to be a little secondary, tertiary source you come to get some fantasy football knowledge info and just you know chop it up with us so yeah absolutely uh go check out his podcast phantom fantasy football podcast uh like i said you can get it anywhere apple spotify anywhere you get podcasts and also go follow our our podcast on twitter uh at odds on favorites and on instagram at odd.on.favorite couldn't get the whole thing without the best unfortunately um ben you got anything to say to people before we leave no, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, I think we are international. We've got people – we have yeah. people listening to us in several different countries around the globe. And, and wherever you're listening and wherever you're located, we appreciate you listening to us. And, Brandon, I enjoyed it tonight, man. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Hope to get, see you guys next week. 